The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Abortion can be a difficult subject to talk about. For those with personal experience, it may bring pain and can be hard to make sense of. Welcome to Life After Abortion with Michaeline Friedenberg and Skylar Christensen. On our program, we'll offer a safe place to begin the conversation about abortion and provide steps to start healing. Now, here's Michaeline and Skylar. Welcome. This is Michaeline. And this is Skylar. We're so glad that you're here with us today, especially since we recognize that this is such a painful topic Mm -hmm. for so many of us. So many of us have been personally affected by abortion. Yeah. I mean, last time, Skylar, we were talking about just some of the statistics around abortion, where we're told that by the time a woman is 45 in the United States, about three out of 10 will have had an abortion. Yeah. So many. So many. And then, of course, there's the men that are involved and the other family members and friends that can be impacted as well. And so we want to recognize that and assure you that if you're listening, this is a safe place. Mm -hmm. This is a place for us where we can begin to talk about abortion. We can begin to talk about the, the grieving, the healing, and we can have a conversation. Right. And we can start to see how we can support each other. And that's part of what we'll be doing here today. Um, In addition to some of the information we'll be sharing right now, um, we'll be sharing a safe place tip again, um, as well as looking more closely at an online resource and then ending the show with a a question of the week that's commonly asked for us. Mm -hmm. So back to the... That so many of us are affected. You know, Skylar, just this past weekend, um, I was doing some training and some speaking, and I was really struck again that not only did people share stories about abortion experiences, but I had a number of individuals, both men and women, share with me stories of miscarriages as well as stillbirth. And you could just see when they talked about it, just the emotion and how much that this impacts them. And it reminded me that when we bring up the topic of abortion, it often brings up other losses. Right, right. And, you know, just to bring up some statistics for stillbirth and for miscarriages, um, one in four pregnancies will end in a miscarriage. One in 80 pregnancies ends in a stillbirth. And as many as one in six couples will experience problems with infertility. And these are the kinds of things that do come up when the subject of abortion comes up. Because reproductive loss, it it extends through all of those different feelings. Miscarriage, infertility, stillbirth. The the grief that's associated with one is is associated with the others as well. Well, and often too... um, 
we may have a number of different reproductive outcomes throughout our lifetime. Mm -hmm. So it's not uncommon for a couple to perhaps have chosen to have an abortion and then maybe they had uh, suffered loss through miscarriage and then perhaps they now have living children as well. But so there can sometimes be many of these different outcomes and losses that a woman or a couple may be experiencing together. And I wanted to, I thought it's, it's always good to illustrate um, what that might look like for individuals. And there's a, a story that was printed in the New York Times in the editorial section that I think just, well, let me, let me just read this story for you. Mm-hmm. So this is by a college professor The name of the article was My First Son, A Pure Memory. And then David shares this. He shares that they had been pregnant, him and his wife, and then they had a stillbirth at 20 weeks along. And we're going to pick up there. He said, on the day I went back to the small college where I work, I felt myself in another kind of altered state, not above the flow of daily life, but just below its surface heavy, settled, still. I have been thinking about how to tell people, my colleagues, my students. Some knew that Lisa and I had been expecting a child. Clearly, I had to tell them what happened. Others didn't know about the pregnancy, though. Should I bring the whole story on them all at once? When a parent dies or a partner, when we lose someone who has lived in the world, there are customs worn paths to follow, ways to talk about it. But I didn't see any path with this. Was I supposed to keep quiet and pretend nothing had happened? I couldn't accept that. So I typed out an email message, brief and plain, explaining Lisa had been pregnant, the child had died, and we took some comfort from the belief that all he had ever known was love. I wasn't really looking for a response, I wanted just to get the news out. I couldn't bear to repeat it over and over. And then came the outpouring. For weeks after, people I barely knew would come into my office, gently shut the door, and burst into tears. I heard stories of single and serial miscarriages. Pregnancies carried nearly to full term. Stillbirths. All the lost, lost children grief hauled about and nowhere to put it down. Some said they had never told anyone who would understand. Wow. And they never told anyone who would understand yet one out of four pregnancies ends in miscarriage. Yeah, and you can see from this story, I mean, as soon as he's able to communicate this story, there are so many people who are just looking for some way, somewhere to go where they could share their experience. And he he had those feelings where he didn't know how to do it. He didn't know how to communicate it. He didn't know that there wasn't a model really for him to follow. There were for other things, but for this, what's he supposed to do? And And he just did something. He came up with that email and then everyone else. Now they had something to follow and they... They just started sharing. They were looking for it so obviously. Yes, definitely. And they they felt alone. 
They felt alone and didn't realize that there's a whole community of individuals who have shared similar losses for them. And this is something, as I mentioned, I, I had people who were sharing with me this past weekend. And, and, and whether it's this weekend or other times, I will often in the midst of that hear in their story that they for some who chose to be open about it and actually chose to share their experience, that they were astounded, um, disappointed, sometimes hurt by the responses of others. And I think because people just, they don't know what to do. We're so awkward in what to do. And that leads us to a concept that we wanted to share today and a concept that I think will help us to understand this. So David, in his editorial, had touched on it. He had said, what, there's customs, there's warm Mm -hmm. paths to follow. There's things that we do when we have lost others, but he couldn't see a way with this. And why would that be? And there's a concept in the kind of grief and loss community called disenfranchised grief. And I think certainly with reproductive losses, it certainly falls into this where you have losses that are often minimized or denied or considered to be outside kind of the normal grieving process because we have a culture that doesn't really acknowledge these losses Mm -hmm. and then treats it as if it's a non-event when, of course, this is a significant event for those who are impacted by the loss. And then because of this, because we don't have a culture that acknowledges and we're treated as it's treated as a non-event, it's like we're not given permission to actually mm-hmm. grieve. Mm-hmm. So disenfranchised grief, that's, that's the term, that's the concept that you're using. It looks like a big word, it seems like a big scary term, but simply put, it's, it's really a, a grief that society has not recognized. It's a grief that our culture does not, not see as a, a legitimate grief or just doesn't realize exists. It's, it's some kind of grief that a lot of people might not even know that they're feeling because they don't have a category for this grief is that absolutely absolutely and certainly we are not equating um, loss after miscarriage and stillbirth with loss after abortion we recognize that Mm -hmm. there are great differences that occur there in the case of miscarriage and and stillbirth these are typically pregnancies of course that were um, they're excited and they're making plans um, for those children where when in abortion it is something that is chosen Mm -hmm. and we know the circumstances around that um, it's difficult choice it's a traumatic choice to make but we don't we want to make sure that we're not equating it and yet there's so many similarities that are there that sense of isolation the sense of being the only one the not knowing what to do because as you said our culture doesn't acknowledge it Mm. and so where where do we go with that yeah and i mean one of the one of the things that I hear all the time from people is where where can I go or or where can someone who I know who's dealing with this go it, when it when the subject comes up when I talk to people about what I do and the after abortion healing resources we have and then they start talking about their story or the story of a friend like I shared last week when 
uh, a friend of mine shared that they had someone that they knew who was dealing with this. And the question that they asked is just, well, where can they go? What what can we do? I, they're confused. It's it's confusing. They don't know how to deal with this with other with, with griefs that society accepts there are kind of obvious like like the story that you shared uh suggested worn paths that you can walk down to deal with this grief but for a grief that's disenfranchised from stillbirth miscarriage abortion uh there's there's just that question that confusion where do i go what do i do Absolutely. And those are some of the things we'll be, be talking about throughout the program and throughout our next throughout our next episodes. Also, I think when you put abortion in there as well, in addition to all of that, in addition to our culture not acknowledging and treating it as a non-event, you then have a political environment, mm-hmm. um, which is one that just because of politics, it, it is often fraught with debate, disagreement, um, language choices that would not be helpful for someone who is experiencing having a personal experience. And so I think that that as well tends to paralyze individuals. Mm. Because if we're thinking in general, we don't know what to do with this grief and loss. And when it comes to miscarriage, then how much more so when you look at abortion and you throw in this additional element that's there where you have an often polarized um, debate that goes on you kind of have this language of extremes and words that come off in a way that aren't compassionate typically and healing and helpful for the individuals who are involved yeah and because it's usually discussed as a political debate when someone is confused about what to do that's just naturally where they might go just in their thinking and their vocabulary. They're going to go to a, a place of politics. They're going to start thinking about it in those terms. And one thing that we'll be discussing is an, a different way to think about it. We've been talking about grief. We've been using the language of grief and loss. And, and that's something we'll discuss as a way to think about it outside the politics. Absolutely. And that's what we're going to do when we come back. Let's think of a different way to look at it, which will start to suggest a different path and a different language. And one where I feel then that we will be feel more equipped that Mm -hmm. we could help those around us who may be having a difficult time. making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skin Care Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms, and you're on the cusp of a new journey. Breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. 
tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso. To bust through the myths about feeding your baby, Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with hosts Nancy Kerala and Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and the founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. And Dr. Ghosh is the chairperson of research and development for the C. diff Foundation. Together with their guests, we'll explore infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Life After Abortion. If you'd like to connect to the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. If you'd rather send an email, our email address is contact at abortionchangesyou.com. Now, back to Life After Abortion. Well, welcome back. This is Michaeline. And Skylar. We're so glad that you're here with us today to be talking about this difficult topic, but one that impacts so many of us. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to start, we had shared the story from David in our last segment, and I'd like to share another story. This was submitted to the website, abortionchangesyou.com, anonymously, and we'll be talking more about that website in our next segment. And so this, uh, many people who are coming to that website, as you can imagine, are those who are, are struggling. They're mm-hmm. really having difficulty um, and typically a lot of regret as well over the decision that they made. But that's not everybody who will come to the website and write in their story. And, and so let me share this. She starts by saying, I honestly have no regret about the choice I made to have my abortion a little over two years ago. The only thing that really bothers me is that so few people really want to talk about abortion. I'm not talking about abortion debate. Plenty of people feel free to speak about whether they think abortion is a woman's right or if it's a sin, etc. But few people will talk about abortion as they've experienced it. I have two sisters, a mother, and a best friend who have all had abortions. And we've spoken briefly about it, but not much further. I know my best friend seems entirely okay with it. I know it hurt one of my sisters very much. I know my other sister regrets it slightly because she never had children again. And I know it saddened my mother at the time, but she's at peace with it now. Even though I don't regret my abortion, I still wish I could talk about it more. I don't take what I did lightly, and I feel like I never got to discuss it enough. I feel like I had to go through it alone. And I feel like I carry the experience alone. It was a very big choice I made, a very big thing I had to go through, a very scary, very real life experience. And I just wish more people would talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, something, we share this story in particular because 
it, it shows, for one, that there's a wide range of of ways that people experience this. But even even for this person who didn't regret it, there was a, a feeling of being alone in it. And that's the language that we see come up so often is they do feel alone. And, and she knows others who have experienced it as well, and they're just not talking about it. This goes back into the concept of disenfranchised grief that we've been discussing, this, this concept that society does not give permission for this grief to exist or, or be experienced. It's, it's something that people are dealing with alone. They don't have a natural avenue to talk with people about it. They, they don't have a natural language to use that's reinforced by society. It's, it's confusing. And, and here she's just saying, I wish I could talk about it more. I feel like I needed to talk about it. And I know that there are others close to me who need to talk about it, but it's just not happening. Yes, and that other kind of concept under disenfranchised grief of treating it as a non-event. Mm-hmm. And she really touches on that. And it's it's hurtful to her. It's hurtful to her that culture would treat what she did as if, um, I, I don't know, as, as, as if she went out to get her nails done. I mean, right. this is, she recognizes, as she said, this was a very real, very scary life experience this was a big choice i had to make Mm -hmm. i didn't take it lightly yeah even though she starts by saying she doesn't regret it she sees it feels like a big event for her like you're saying i mean she's not going out to get her nails done it's not just getting a, a haircut it's it's something significant even even though she felt like this was the right decision it is a very significant thing for her yes so there's there's a gravity to it and so treating it like a non-event is hurtful and then it doesn't give someone permission to actually process and to to work through that Mm -hmm. Um, and certainly everyone's experience is so unique and that's part of why we want to share different stories from different perspectives Um, for myself when I had my abortion I immediately regretted the abortion and I did not think that I would Um, that was not at all my mindset as I went in to have the procedure done and so my regret and a negative reaction for me was immediate. It was intense. Um, and it was something that I was confused. I didn't know anyone who had gone through it. And it took me a while to overcome my fear to reach out and ask somebody um, or tell them first and then ask for some help. But we know that people kind of fall kind of everywhere along the spectrum and sometimes feelings may change over time as well in the way that we deal with this but being provided a place to process that Mm -hmm. becomes so important and so we were talking in the last segment about the confusion too that others feel of so not just the person who's going through it but what about those who are around them this woman mentions that she has family members who have made this decision as well and they don't talk about it and she would like there to be a way to do it and we find that in general that's 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 pretty common because we're not sure how to think about it and so one of the things that that we'll be talking about throughout the program is providing a way for us to do that and that is one where 
um, looking at this from a grief and a loss approach Mm -hmm. uh, because there's the loss, the loss and losses that are involved. We know there's the loss of the child in an abortion, but there's often other losses as well. There can be loss of relationship. Um, There can be the loss of the way that you you view yourself. And we'll Mm -hmm. be talking about those things over time. And so there are losses that are involved But that also then shows a path for us. Um, It helps us. I've experienced an abortion personally, but there are many others who have not, and they don't need to to necessarily be able to have empathy and understanding for somebody who has. Right, right. When talking about grief and loss, I mean, like you're saying, everybody's experienced some level of grief and and some kind of loss however big or small it's something that everyone can relate to so just because the the loss is is different and even the ways of dealing with it and grieving are going to be different you can yeah you can relate to some of those feelings all of us can relate to the feelings that that someone has even if they're not exactly the same feeling you know what it's like to lose something Absolutely. And then that also um, looking at it from this perspective of grief and loss, then also suggests to us some of the things that we can naturally do to be able to help somebody in that situation. Mm-hmm. So um, certainly um, if I if someone shares with me that they have lost somebody, One of the first things that I say, and I think we probably all do really reflexively, is I'm so sorry for your loss. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to loss after abortion, even loss after miscarriage, we've been talking about the, the different reproductive losses that fall under disenfranchised grief. Saying those words, I'm so sorry for your loss, is so powerful. Mm-hmm. It's probably the first time that anyone has ever said that to them. And that is, if you will, in a sense, the antidote to a culture that does not recognize this loss or treats it as a non-event. Right, right. It does so many things, just that single statement. It validates, like you said, that it wasn't a non-event, that this is something significant. It's giving that personal connection too. It's letting them know that they're not alone, that you're there for them, Mm -hmm. that, that you heard what they said, you're acknowledging it and, and you're just, you're there, you're present with them in that moment and, and you're willing to be there for them right there. It's, it is so powerful. It's, and it's so simple at the same time. It's not complicated. And, you know, like we've talked about, it can be a really paralyzing thing being in that situation and not knowing what to do, not knowing what to say, being afraid to say or do the wrong thing, being afraid to say the imperfect thing. Well, there's no perfect thing to say. I mean, we gave these words, I'm so sorry for your loss, but even that's going to mean different things for different people. And it, it, it's not the kind of thing that you have to worry too much about saying the perfect thing you just you be there you be present you you say i'm sorry you be there with them absolutely absolutely and when you say something like i'm so sorry for your loss you've just given that person permission to grieve Mm -hmm. 
And again, you've done it in a, in a very simple way, in a very profound way. And, and that's really something that is counter-cultural right now. Yeah. So I, I've been in a room with other leaders in, in healing and, and grieving and loss, and some have shared their stories um, of reproductive losses and loss after abortion in particular. And I've observed that often, I mean, people are, are listening, they're, they're being compassionate, but then they typically move on as if it's a point of information mm-hmm. rather than this very personal disclosure that has been made um, and of a very significant experience for that individual. And so I have made that my policy to make sure that I policy. That sounds so formal. Mm-hmm. I've just made it for me. It's a habit that mm-hmm. I will stop and I will pause and I will look at the person and say, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I am amazed at what that does for individuals. I'll see that the yeah. tears come into their eyes and then they'll just say, thank you. Hmm. No one has ever said that to me before. And there are wow. individuals who are in a place of what they would say would be, would be healing. You know, they're helping others right now. And yet they're so touched and moved when somebody is acknowledging that loss for them. And we're going to come back in just a few minutes and let's talk about in the, a website, a place yeah. for people to start as a, as a practical tool. We'll be back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Transformational healing includes energy medicine as well as hands-on healing. Tune in every week to Transformational Healing with Dr. Bonnie Morrow. If you want to know more about the business and science of energy fields, chakras, and the medical and spiritual community, Join our expert guests as we work together to bring you closer to your personal health vision. Transformational Healing is heard live every Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to Life After Abortion. If you'd like to connect to the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. If you'd rather send an email, our email address is contact at abortionchangesyou.com. 
Now, back to Life After Abortion. Welcome back. This is Michaeline. And Skylar. We're so glad that you're here. And we do want to uh, invite you again to please send us any questions or comments at contact at abortionchangesyou.com. So send those off to contact at abortionchangesyou.com. And be sure to like us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash place. On our website, we'll be putting updates uh, based on this show. We'll be posting the safe place tips that we talk about on the show. And, and we'll be putting up some other uh, documents that would be really helpful for those of you who are really wanting to explore this further. Like us on, on Facebook. We'll have a lot of great stuff on there. So. Absolutely. And and I think it's good to to also just, this is a safe place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is a safe place on what can be a very painful and a very difficult topic to go into. Um, But this is a safe place. And speaking of those safe place tips, Mm -hmm. last week we talked about our safe place tip, and that was a mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Putting in the mindset of reminding ourselves that there are so many people who have potential been impacted by abortion. Right. We talked about just the, the numbers of those impacted, and we, we recapped it earlier today that three out of ten women in the United States by the age of 45 will have had an abortion, and with each of them, there's a man in the situation in some capacity, and oftentimes there are family members and friends involved who, you know, to some degree may know or or, or not even know but feel something as a result. And, and we just don't know when we're talking to someone because of, of those numbers. We don't know when we're interacting with someone who's feeling a significant loss. So we talked last week about just, just being aware, being aware that the person we're talking to may have that personal connection and, and it may be a place of, of hurt for them. And so when the topic of abortion comes up, being sensitive to that, uh, realizing that the things you say, you may be saying because you're assuming that the person you're talking to has no experience with this, but because of the numbers that we've seen, they very well may. They may have a very personal experience. It, it's a, a possibility. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I don't know about you, Skylar, but I've certainly found that if I'm speaking with someone on whatever topic it is, and if I know or suspect that they've had a personal experience, it does alter a bit the way that I talk about it. Definitely, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't change my opinion about things, but it changes the way that I express them. Yeah. I'm going to be choosing some different words probably my body language, even my tone of voice is going to be a little bit different. And I'm really going to be checking in, watching that individual closely um, to see because I don't want to be causing them distress or be hurting them in any way. I may even check in with them. So having that mindset is really is really important. That's a really important thing because that really will alter. I think we'd be surprised how that will alter the way that we um, will talk about a topic. And that is how you communicate without saying the words. You're communicating, I am a safe place. I'm yeah. a safe place. So if that individual at some point um, is troubled and does want to reach out, 
then perhaps they're going to know that you're a person that they can reach out to and talk to. Right. And so talking about the the safe place tip from last week and now transitioning into the safe place tip from this week, it's it's another mindset tip that we want to communicate. And we've already been discussing it a bit on on the show this week. And it's that concept of grief and loss that we want to explore. The the tip is to to put yourself in a mindset of grief and loss when thinking about abortion and and thinking about other reproductive losses as well miscarriage stillbirth that perspective of of grief and loss is a place that that you can go to to help someone who's dealing with this you know as we talked about it, it's a very hot topic politically and so a lot of us uh, when we hear even just the word abortion mm-hmm. our minds just naturally go into a place of political debate we start you know, just fighting for one side or the other or, or talking in very impersonal ways, you know, using a vocabulary that's that's very political in nature. But if we can separate ourselves from that, if we can, rather than going to a place mentally of, of politics and debate, rather than doing that thinking about the grief and loss that can be experienced for someone who's been through this, then we start to become that safe place that Michael and you were just talking about. If you you see that person who's sharing their story first and foremost as a person who's mm-hmm. dealing with with something significant, who's obviously grieving or you know who's just experienced a, a loss, you you begin to understand more how you can interact with them. And, and it becomes a little bit more clear just by being in that mindset. The words that you would use, Absolutely. the mindset alone, it helps make it a less confusing space for the person there. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that helps us. Sometimes we feel paralyzed. You know, we don't know what to do. We can get paralyzed, and especially if we care about the person who we're talking to or have some sort of personal relationship with them, right? We don't want to make it worse. I often hear mm-hmm. that I don't want to make it worse. And we get paralyzed, but then actually our, our being in that state is actually communicating the opposite of what we want to the other person. Mm-hmm. Where we want to be communicating to them, you're not alone. I mm-hmm. care about you. You know, there, there's, there's healing. There, there's a process, you know, like I can, I can be here for you and support you. In your discomfort, they're actually thinking, it, it's, it's it reinforcing all the messages that they think culturally already and so as you said having that mindset allows us to I think relax into it feel I have empathy and then it suggests a language it suggests a manner of how we can actually communicate with somebody who is sharing an experience with us right right like you've already brought up just simply saying I'm sorry for your loss and and really you know, just looking at them, seeing them as a person, being there with them as as you say those words, it's it's powerful and it's it's coming from that perspective of grief and loss that allows those words to really mean something. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I've heard you say a number of times like being present, being mm-hmm. present with them. And and that can sound really that's simple, but it's not necessarily easy. Mm-hmm. So 
when if we're uncomfortable or if we want to alleviate their pain if someone's in a lot of pain that can be a challenging thing to do and we'll talk about that more in some of the our future episodes but I, I think it's good to acknowledge that so it's simple and all of this can be helpful but we also want to acknowledge that uh, that that it can also be a little bit challenging to do that so let's Let's talk, let's kind of, we had mentioned the website abortionchangesyou.com, and I think this is a good, yeah. so what we're communicating, you're not alone. I heard what you said, you know, I'm acknowledging that, and, and I think we want to bring hope to that person, and, and we want to share resources with them. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be talking about, there's a number of resources, there's so many resources that are available. Um, I myself am surprised by how much is available, and it's always so encouraging that there there's so many people who are out there to help. But sometimes this, this can be difficult to start, and, and we had recognized that that this can be really difficult sometimes to disclose if this is a secret. Um, there can be a whole lot of reasons that are there. Maybe it's just so painful that it's hard to even think of, of taking a look at it. So starting with an online and an anonymous resource can be a really great place for somebody mm-hmm. to start. Yeah, having that place to go where you know, no one even has to know you're there. And maybe, maybe you're not even sure what you're feeling. You know, one of the aspects of, of this loss um, of abortion and the grief involved being a disenfranchised grief is that sometimes it's not even recognized by a grieving person as grief. They might be feeling everything that comes with grief, but not being able to put that word grief to it, not seeing that it's grief, but, but knowing that there's something to explore there. And so a place like abortionchangesyou.com can offer that as just an anonymous place to explore mm-hmm. just those, those emotions, even unknown emotions, just for someone who's wondering what, what's happening. Absolutely. And yeah. and certainly you can have a lot of mixed emotions. So mm-hmm. it's not uncommon to feel relief well, at the same time, you feel regret. Um, it, there might be sadness mixed in there, and you're, you're not really quite sure why. Um, mm-hmm. It's not clear to you. Um, the decision-making process may have been complicated or traumatic, so there can be a lot that's going on, mm-hmm. as you said, and it can be hard to make sense of. And so being able to go to a place where you can explore that and uh, abortionchangesyou.com was developed, of course, it's an anonymous place to go, but it also communicates community, and we'll be talking a little bit more about how you do that in an anonymous place. But it is a place that is for men and women and family members and friends. Mm-hmm. So it is a place that is open for all, and it's a place that welcomes people exactly where they're at so we already mentioned people uniquely respond afterwards so so as many people have made this choice there will be as many different responses to it and people kind of fall on a spectrum if you will sometimes we have this narrative of extremes when it comes to abortion um, and yet most people fall somewhere on that kind of continuum 
between something of, of perhaps empowerment to great distress. They fall somewhere along that line and they may move back and forth. And this website is appropriate for all of them to come to and to be able to explore. Mm-hmm. The website is also in Spanish, so if there are those that we know who feel more comfortable um, going to the website in Spanish, it's something that, that is available for them as well. And so when we come back, let's do maybe just kind of like a quick verbal tour yeah. of the website. We also have on the Facebook page, uh, we have a resource there that, that will help us with that as well. Yeah, we've got a, a sheet that walks through the website, the different pages, the different activities that are there and we'll we'll talk through it and and again i think we just want to say if you have any questions if you're listening to this and and questions come up please email us those questions at contact at abortionchangesyou.com yes and in fact um in our next segment we'll talk a little bit more about the website and we do have our Mm -hmm. first question um that we will go over and so please, again, yes, contact at abortionchangesyou.com. If you have questions or comments, um, we will definitely keep your name anonymous unless you'd like us to share it. And then you can also um, visit us at on Facebook, Creating a Safe Place. And yep. we'll be back in a few moments to actually walk through, if you will, abortionchangesyou.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. On Therapeutic Approach to Growth, host Brooke Wagner showcases topics and experts that are of interest to the special needs community. You'll learn about advances in treatment, challenges, and solutions, as well as how to build and maintain trusting relationships with these amazing individuals who can teach us so much about ourselves in ways we never knew. Tune in to Therapeutic Approach to Growth, live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Life After Abortion. If you'd like to connect to the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. If you'd rather send an email, 
Our email address is contact at abortionchangesyou.com. Now, back to Life After Abortion. Welcome back. This is Michael Lane. This is Skylar. We are so grateful that you are here with us today and that you are part of this conversation as we're kind of all learning together um, how we can um, understand and what a person who's impacted by abortion may be going through and then how we may be able to help them, how we can create a safe place. Mm-hmm. And Skylar, you have for us um, a, a question yeah, yeah. So we've got our, our first question of the week. This is something that we're going to do every week, answer either one or, or two questions that come into us. And this is a question that we've actually, we've been asked a number of times by by a lot of people in, in a few different ways. So this is going to be kind of the, the paraphrased version of the same question that we hear all the time. And it's, I have no idea what to do and what to say when someone shares their story with me. So it's kind of what we've been talking about. So, you know, you're you're there, the subject of abortion comes up, or or someone just shares their story with you. What now? Yeah. What do and, you do? And and Skylar, this is as you this is like a universal question. So this this past weekend when I was actually doing training for leaders, and I asked people, well, what brought you here today? A majority of them, this is this is basically what they were saying. And I was thinking they have a lot of training in different areas. They work with people all the time. And yet, they, have, they really had no idea what to do. And so I just want to say that because I think that if our listeners are saying, oh, I don't know either, well, that... That, that's really normal. Yeah, that's it's really I mean. normal. And yeah. it, it wraps right back to the beginning of the program when we were talking about disenfranchised grief. Um, because this is something that our culture doesn't acknowledge, um, it means that we, we literally um, lack models. We lack practice. This isn't something that you heard at your kitchen table or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout the program, we've already begun to answer that question in our safe place tip of enter into that place of recognizing that this person sharing a story with you um, and that grief and loss are a central part of that story. And so being able to, as you said, relax and be present and then make simple statements of validation, such as, I'm so sorry for your loss. That's an excellent place to start with yeah. that individual. Yeah, just being there, being authentic, letting them know that they're not alone, that you're there for them even. You know, offering yourself as a support system, saying, hey, I, I'm here for you. Yes, Yes. And we'll be talking in our our safe place tips next week. We'll start to really dive into a little bit more in detail of like, okay, beyond beyond that, what are some things I maybe should or shouldn't say? Hmm. Um, And what are some skills that I can bring to this? And and they're typically skills that that we already have. We just don't think about them in the context of an abortion experience. And you just touched on offering yourself as a resource, which, of course, is such a beautiful thing to do. Someone has just reached out to you, and they've maybe shared their story. This probably is the first time they've shared their story. And so you want to be there as a resource 
Um, but it's also wonderful to be able to offer them other resources. And yeah. so one of those resources would be um, the anonymous website, abortionchangesyou.com. And that's a, a great place to start for men, women, family members, and friends. And our listeners may want to go there when they have some time and go through the website so that they can become familiar with it. Um, but let's just describe really briefly some of the, the main areas and the, the features that are on the website. Yeah, so if you go to the website, you'll see that there are three main categories that you can choose from. There are the healing pathways for one. There's a stories section of the website too. And then there's a find help directory. And we'll go into what each of these are. But but first we'll focus a little bit on the healing pathways and, and what that is, what, what healing pathways means. Um, this section of the website is, is a place where someone can go and anonymously use some healing tools and activities that we have on the website. So they can um, just go through a number of anonymous activities. Tell your story is one of them. And Michaelina, I don't know if you want to uh, go into any more depth about that. But Well, I think that because it's certainly in the future weeks, we we will definitely be going yeah. more into depth into all of these. And I think kind of as sticking, as you will, kind of the, the yeah. big picture here, that on the Healing Pathways, what you're really looking at are, are what some would call tasks of grieving. Mm-hmm. So back to the grief loss healing model, yeah. um, this is an appropriate place for people to come who, um, uh, of course, men, women, family members, and friends, but also those who are at different places and who yeah. have been impacted differently. But these are the things, tell your story, explore emotions, identify losses, build support. Um, there's a place called called healing when we reach that point of being willing to let go of the pain. And all of these are things that we typically naturally do when we have lost a family member um, mm-hmm. through uh, in a different way, someone who has, has lived in the world. And so um, we would get together as yeah. family and we would actually share memories and share stories. And so in that, you actually, you are telling your story. You're telling yeah. your story of your relationship with that person. You're talking about that person, but you're also talking about your own experience that you're having of losing that person. In that, you're identifying emotions. You're, you're talking about the different losses that are there. So when someone goes to this part of the website and looks, I think it's good to have that in mind, that these are, if you will, the tasks of grieving and there's something that you don't go through like in a linear fashion Um, these are activities that people do and then if someone were to go onto the website on each of these there's actually something um, an activity that the individual can do Mm -hmm. and so they can anonymously be telling their story or they can be choosing emotions but we talked about in addition to it being anonymous we do want to communicate that you're not alone and so they also can see what others are doing anonymously on the website as well which brings that which brings that kind of all together i think maybe just mentioning this the stories yeah the, the stories so one of the activities is tell your story and the story section of our website is 
is a a list of all of those stories, and it's it's the the compilation of those stories in one place. So it's somewhere where men and women can go and and see that they are not alone. You can read the stories that people have told. We've shared a couple on the show, so that's the place where you can read those. And then for for those individuals who are looking for that that next step in help, this is anonymous. And this is a, a really great place to explore emotions on your own time. But if you are looking for that next step, if someone's looking for the next step, the Find Help directory is a place that can connect people to those resources that that are local, that are in their areas, that will offer um, counseling or, or whatever may be needed for someone looking yes. at So certainly we encourage our, our listeners to go and to spend a little time on the website. This is mm-hmm. this will, if you read the stories, this is going to help you to even more so understand what someone may be going through. And you may want to look at the, the resources that are available in your area. So we want to thank um, everyone again for joining us this week. If you have questions or comments, please send them in to contact at abortion changes you.com and if you want to like us on facebook at facebook.com slash creating a safe place we'll we'll post our safe place tips and we'll continually update that wonderful we look forward to to um, having you next week thank you for listening today be sure to join us again for another edition of Life After Abortion next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, we're here to help you. <laughs>